What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambaline here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo, back for another edition of the Monday Review Show. So going to do things a little bit differently this week. Kind of fun, kind of not for me, actually, or, or TJ. We'll get to it in a second. But first, I'll bring in TJ, Mr. TJ Lasig at TJL5124. How you doing, TJ? Tambo, how's it going? Had ourselves a, a very fun major from a watching perspective, but not, not so fun from both of our perspectives as we, we both came up just shy in the mega, which I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about today. Yeah, and that's what I thought we'd do today. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. It was a great experience to watch. Loved having it back. I know at the start of the week, there was a lot of talk around, you know, it doesn't really feel like a major. We'd already had some great events leading up to it. Like the Memorial was super strong and had a, you know, a great finish type thing with, uh, you know, Rom winning that and everything going down to the wire there with the penalty and all those things. But we, we've had some great tournaments. We have some great fields, but I thought, Personally, this was one of the better majors, not just because in a while, I should say, but not just because we haven't had one in a while, but more because of the setup, man. Like, I don't know. I'll get your thoughts here in a second. But I think the way the course was set up, there wasn't even weather and it was still ended up getting one at 13 under and partially due to the incredible tee shot on 16 for Morikawa and then draining that eagle, which was the moment of the term. I mean, the chip in on 14 was great, but that was something else just that do that and have the stones to even take that shot when you're trying just to protect the lead. Most people don't necessarily go for that. So there was that, but I loved having that drivable par four down the stretch. I love the overall setup. Some easy, you could start out hot, then eight and nine were extremely difficult. And then you go into the back. So what did you think quickly on the tournament and just the overall setup of it for a major? Completely agree. I thought it's a great setup just in terms of the variety that it gives you in holes, right? You've got some holes that if you're making par, you're plenty happy, right? You mentioned eight and nine. I mean, not a lot of birdies to be had there. So you have some holes where you have to grind out the pars. You've got the drivable par four and 16. And then seven was pretty short, very birdieable par four as well. And then you've got 10, which was the gettable par five where we saw a lot of birdies. So I, yeah, I just thought it was, gave you a little bit of everything. And, and you needed a golfer that was going to win this tournament was going to have to do everything at some point. They were going to have to get up and down for pars. They were going to have to take advantage of the birdie opportunity. So, and, and you saw that with the leaderboard. I mean, there's like five, six premium golfers that all had some sort of storyline tied for the lead on Sunday. There's not much more you could ask for than that. Yeah, love that. It, like I say, just, it, it definitely, to me, had the major feel after it got rolling there. So over the weekend was quite fun. You know, the six of six sweat wasn't a super sweat because it, it kind of was, you know, I'll show you my lineup here in a second. We're going to get into it, but uh, it's definitely a good one to dissect. I talked about it on my showdown show on Saturday night about, you know, a mistake I made, which I want to get into and just show some stuff off. But um, yeah, you said it there, the storylines coming in. And then on top of that, just the ending, like you, you couldn't ask for a better ending the way it was all shaken out the Brooks stuff, get into all that stuff, probably on the fantasy golf degenerates podcast that Kenny and I do. He likes to definitely go back and forth on that. He already doesn't really like Brooks. So we'll see what he says there about that stuff. But yeah, let's talk about it here. If, if you guys haven't watched before, just going to show you quickly on the main rotogrinders.com page. You're just going in this case to PGA, hopping down to results DB, changing it to the previous Thursday when the tournament started. It'll show you it's the classic slate. You're going into contests. All the details are here, right? You can look at the $20 million, million maker, the buy-ins here. We're going to start, we're going to go backwards. Normally we go high stakes last, but I think this is a good week specifically because we had more six out of sixes. We had some different stuff. We had a weather draw, AM, PM, which I'm going to talk about. And then, of course, both of us happened to be in this tournament. Neither of us cashed. We both came up just short. You know, you won't see our names there, but we know what, we know what our lineups are. And I just want to show you guys a couple things. So uh, I brought it up here already. This is the 2.1 Mega Millionaire, 1 million to first, and the TOC entry. You don't get many chances, right? It shows 302. I believe it was 301 is the number that it was out of. And you know, it's a lot of money for sure. I don't advise anything different of what your normal bankroll strategy is. It's not for everybody, but just to say, if you could get there, there was ways to win tickets the week before. So there's lots of people in this tournament that just had one entry. Some had nine, you know, Empire Maker here, nine. It's to each their own, right? Whoever has the money for whatever, they can do whatever they want. So uh, I know Bruno Runo, he was the actual bubble boy. Me and 57th here, I was the next to bubble boy. But I want to talk about a couple things. So, you know, first off, here's my lineup. Patrick Cantlay, Dustin Johnson, Morikawa, Spieth, Answer, and Usti. And I'll probably take heat for the Spieth play, but we'll get to that here. One thing I want to show quickly, guys, is, you know, if you look back last week, conviction plays, Cantlay, Johnson, Morikawa, Answer, all four in my lineup. The next thing, over to this expert survey. Who was my, what's the heading here? The top contrarian golfer? 
was Spieth. And, and the thing I said, I know I'll take some heat, but I really did like him. I'd wrote him up on here. So for those of you that don't have premium subscription and, and you're not on board, A, this is the information we're putting out. I know technically this week it was losing information, but I'll just say, you know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Like I always tell you, I played the plays that I said I would play. I put my 7,500 bucks behind them and it just didn't work out this time. But I want to talk about this, TJ, and we'll get to your lineup in a second here. Tell me what you think about this. If I'm, you know, I'm talking out loud a little bit, but I've done a lot of thinking on it. And so here's what happened. I built this lineup based on the premise of DJ to me was a lock. You know, you heard me all week on my shows talking at 9,000. He'd never been priced less than 11,000 at PGA Championship. You know, everything he had going for him. I know he had those few bad rounds, but for me, he was in there. Can't lay with the price drop. I was on him high the week before at 10-1. The ball striking, the cut making ability. Like I just thought he was better for cheaper than some of the guys above. And then my take the whole week was that Morikawa, uh, and he was also in the expert survey here going up. I think it was, uh, where did I have him? So I had DJ Cantlay Morikawa as my top three finishers. Didn't quite happen that way, but DJ and Morikawa were one and two, uh, along with Casey. And then I had Cantlay in here as favorite golfer in large field. He ended up being the chalk, though. So it's one of those things where you, you got to differentiate elsewhere. And then I had DJ as my favorite for optimal. So that shows that. So that was the easy decisions. I had answer at 7,700 as one of the better values, even though there was guys like Fleetwood there. I get it, but it was the situation of I built this lineup, then the weather wave thing got in. So what was your take on the weather wave and then how it played out? Let's talk about that first. I think the weather wave had, and you can tell it, especially in this contest, a massive impact on how everyone yeah. went about building their lineups. I think that, I mean, I, I obviously don't know the percentage, but I, my instinct was that a lot of people full stacked the AMPM wave. Mm -hmm. Uh, you could, see, I mean, you see it with Morikawa's ownership. I, th I think the top like six guys were all AMPM guys. You had Morikawa, you had Answer, you had Cantlay. Um, so Finau, I know he was in my line if he was up there as well. Yeah, Finau, Woodland so, were others that were in there. Hatton yeah. was the only real one that was in there that missed the cut. Yep, exactly. And and my my initial lineup that I was going to use was not a full AM stack. And then as Wednesday went along, I decided like that I, I wanted to go with that full AM stack. And I mean, I was watching it on TV. It didn't seem that bad in the afternoon. <laughs> like it, yeah. it didn't seem like it fully played out the way that it was expected. And, and I mean, some of my, like Fleetwood was one of my favorite plays. I think if the weather draw hadn't come into effect, Fleetwood would have been like 40% owned in this. That, that was my initial guess. I thought he was going to be the chalkiest golfer, but I think that he was still like 20%. But yeah, he was like, he was like about 20 him. or 19 or something, and answer was 34. And, and that's where I want to talk quickly because I think that was a mistake. And so here's the thing. I wanted to make this lineup before all the biases came out. I didn't even know the weather wave was coming. I'm talking about like Monday. I had right. my thoughts on Sunday night. I spent about three hours on it Monday. And I want to at least have a base idea. Obviously, you got to be able to interchange and be a chameleon in this you know, game where you can make your moves on the fly and understand that. But – I really did love the lineup, right? Once I'd seen the pricing Monday morning, this is what fit. I had the speed Louis take that, you know, major-esque and, and the ability to do well in majors. Morikawa to me is just a stud at 8,600. And then DJ Cantley were just too cheap for me. And then I knew I would, you know, it looked like a lot of people would go for someone at the top. There were still a lot of guys from X and up that they'd have at least one. So I'd get a unique build. Where I think Great. I made the mistake is in this case, and you can, you know, talk back on this one and see what you think. But what happened was then the weather draw came out and I was like, okay, now I'm going to be interchangeable. I'm going to go look to make a change to my lineup. Here's where I think I made the mistake. I look and lo and behold, this is just pure random luck. I took it as like a, a good omen, but all my guys are already in the AM draw. So now I'm saying, this is incredible. The guys I want to play, the lineup I like, the construction I'm in on are all AM PM, but here's the mistake in my opinion. And you, you got to learn, this is an expensive mistake for me, but I, I love talking about this stuff and I think it's a good way to learn from it is that, now, my original thought behind this lineup was, look, I know it doesn't have a guy from the 10K range that has the full upside. Maybe, you know, could DJ Cantlay Morikawa win? Yes. But was it more likely that someone from X up got the win and I would have to just drop one of these 7K guys down? It's a little more risk for $7,500, but at the same time, there's probably more upside in your lineup. Cantlay doesn't win a lot, right? He's a great player. He's likely to make the cut. Back to it, and it's a lot of, you know, it's hard to talk through this, but it's trying to make it so we can understand and help people out there that are listening to this on the thought process behind it and why. And my thoughts were, this lineup, in my opinion, had the best chance at six out of six. 
in what I thought would still be a pretty low six out of six week. The issue with that is when the AMPM came in, I'm now in the AMPM lineup set. I've got the AMPM build that if that actually holds true and comes out that that is the good draw, I'm now getting through with way more six out of sixes that have way more upside in that draw. So if what I think is going to happen, which I did with the, with the weather draw, I'm now actually down to those guys. And I said this on Saturday night, guys, before this ever panned out that I was the bubble boy. This is not the being results oriented. I, I'm talking through it here with you. But don't you think that's right, TJ? Like if you think about back, this doesn't have enough upside in a six out of six potential when if you were already going for that draw leaning to more six out of sixes, then you should adjust your lineup for that. In my opinion, probably yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying because you, yeah, you, you, you lack the upside of the expensive guy that's like in the 15% ownership maybe that wins. Yeah. Whereas like Cantlay, DJ, Morikawa, you probably, I'm assuming you were expecting them all to be as chalky as they turned out to be. So if yes. those are the guys that you need to win, then, I mean, that's what happened, obviously, with Morikawa, then you have, you may have the winner, but you have the winner that everyone else also has, and maybe not necessarily that upside. Yeah, and I, I wasn't really that. thinking so much about the dupes, because I thought, I thought with the build, yeah. it wouldn't be duped, but I guess no. when, what I'm saying is when you're already expecting that wave to be the winner, you know there's going to be more six out of sixes that come from it. So now my original expectation of, I think this is the best six out of six lineup I can build, in my opinion, at, at the time, right? I didn't want to go away from it because I thought this is still going to give me a six out of six. I was now giving myself a six out of six in a wave that was going to be very heavily owned that there's probably going to be a lot of other six out of sixes. And now my six out of six is at a disadvantage to the higher upside six out of sixes where I could have taken on more risk. So that was the mm-hmm. first mistake. The second, and people probably would say this is being more results oriented, but it's really in my opinion not, is answer was one of those flavor of the week, what have you done for me lately, and going to come in with expensive ownership. I talked about it on the Wednesday show about how I could, I and mean, it was with you, about how Fleetwood could be one of those guys that grinds out the wind, comes in at plus three, and then gets there Friday morning, makes the cut, and makes noise over the weekend. He didn't really make a lot of noise, but he definitely scored 67 points and would have got me inside the money. And you're saying, well, you could have done that with speed, either or. Yeah. I would have been much better off and in the money. But I stand by my guys, and conviction play-wise, I wanted to stay on answer, but at the same time, it wouldn't have hurt me to have one afternoon guy. And if you're looking at how I built my lineup, major prowess, Louie, I talked about the 23 out of 25, Jordan Spieth, needing the PGA Championship, having majors, having good tee to green approach coming in, Morikawa being the long-term upside guys that obviously worked out, and now we know. And if you don't know, now you know with Morikawa. And then DJ and Cantlay make the cut with upside to have a chance to get in the top five, if not win it with DJ. So just so you know, that was my thoughts. Any more thoughts on my lineup specifically? No, I mean, I I like the lineup overall. I think it's strong. I don't think you should beat yourself up too much over it. I mean, I think one of of the things that I was thinking about, right, is I never know how to handle the weather. It's, It's a confusing thing, right? Because it's not a lock by any means. But at the same time, if you knowingly play Fleetwood in this presumed bad weather, and then Thursday does turn out to be this wild disaster and Fleetwood's four over par on Thursday, you're going to look at yourself and be like, of course, like I knew that. Why, why did I make this mistake? So obviously it didn't pan out that way. But yeah, I think, I think from an ownership standpoint, it's definitely interesting. I think, at least for me, with this big of a buy-in, it's hard to, to stray too far off of that path. But I mean, what, what, I'm sure we'll get to the winning lineup eventually. And he's got a couple PM guys in there that, that came in at, yeah. Lower and, and than they you made would a good, you, you made a good point there. I want to not to cut you off, but just because we yeah. talk about it all the time in the larger fields, we're normally looking for like two over 20, two under 20, and then two under 10. And if you look here, I didn't love this, but I, I didn't expect answer 30 either. But, you know, I knew yeah. these guys would be higher at the top. But even still, it was like a 30, 30, 20, 20, 15, 6. It's not really that great. But again, it's just part of that deal with the weather. That's where I think I made the biggest mistake. Before we go to the winner, Remind me again, I think yours was 81st. Yeah, 81, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yep, yeah, that's mine. The, is it the Brooks or DJ? The Brooks one. Yeah, t- so. talk to us about that real quick here because I think it's still good to look at it. And so, you know, inside the mind of two guys that are playing in this tournament with just one lineup, taking our shot, 
million up top, but a 300 people, 55 could cash. There was the upside, of course, of the Tournament of Champions entry. If you did get the million bucks, there was money to move on and go to the Super Bowl and all that factor. So I thought it was a great opportunity. Where are we at here with your lineup? Talk me through it. Yep. So from a general build construction standpoint, I knew I wanted to start off with one of the expensive guys and then Morikawa as my start mm -hmm. and then basically fill out the rest with value from there. So I actually, I played Brooks over JT because I thought Brooks was going to be lower owned. And then JT comes in at 9%, which was shocking to me. I did, I did not expect that. Had I known that in hindsight, I would have tried to go with JT. I thought that Brooks was going to be the lowest owned high guy, especially in this tournament. I think that a lot of the guys playing this don't, don't want to buy into the Brooks narrative. And, and he, I don't know if you saw on Twitter that, that there's a, all, all the Brooks haters were coming out saying how he's not that good at golf. And I, I don't really buy that. I think he's very good at golf. And I mean, I, I think there is, obviously he fell apart on Sunday, but I, I was just kind of a believer that, that it's a major Brooks can get it done. If he had just done reasonably well on Sunday, I'm pretty sure I would have cashed because he had the four rounds under 70 upside. Like if he just shot a, a 69 yesterday, I think that would have gotten it done for me. But yeah, I was, my initial guy that I was, on was Rom. I wanted to play Rom, but then with the weather draw, I, I certainly didn't want to pay up for a guy in the bad weather draw. I thought that that was really a potential mistake because obviously when, when you're paying up, you need the guy that's going to win. So yeah. I just didn't think that someone was going to win from that draw. And then, yeah, from there, and, and I knew Morikawa was going to be the chalk. I knew Answer was going to be chalky. I didn't think Finau and Answer were going to be 30 plus percent. I thought maybe they were going to be in the 20 to 25 percent range. And that's and that then, weather thing, like you said, that just put even more yeah. onto it than what they already were. So I agree. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the final 2v2 I was down to was uh, JT and Scheffler versus Kepka and friggin' Reeve. And, and Chez, I mean, Chez uh, made me sweat out the cut when everyone else in the world had like an easy six of six. And then I'm sitting here having to sweat him making the cut. He has an incredible back nine to make the cut. And then, and then she was plus five on Saturday and just basically – defeated the purpose of him making the cut but I was really yeah. at the bottom just looking for for two and, and maybe this is a mistake right I was looking for two guys that were more cut makers wasn't looking for guys that that had the potential to win whereas a Scotty Scheffler I think brings that more upside to the table as played out I also yeah. knew that Scheffler was going to be high owned these guys love playing Scheffler he, there, yeah. there's a certain projection system where he's like the top value every single week and I think that a lot of people use that projection system so he's always high owned in higher own than I think he should be in the high stakes contests. Yeah. And it's you interesting because like that, that definitely affects certain guys, right? You know how it, you know, people are building. And so it's good. That's, you know, the game theory of it and taking what others are going to do. And we're going to get to the winner right away here. But last thing is, yeah, I, you know, the one thing about your build I like is that you went top and then skip the nine K's, skip the 10 K, skip the nine K. And then you end up getting four guys still in the seven K. So I don't think you did anything, wrong or different either like you to your point where you just you took the upside in a guy like brooks kepka like four majors going for the three p like yeah. all that was there we obviously all loved morikawa but by doing that you still had a way to get unique in this tournament again it's only 300 people you don't need to get stupid you just want to be unique right we talk about this a lot when we go through some of these things you don't want to get six one percent on guys or be the guy that you know just takes all pm versus am when you only have one lineup, if it looks like it's a strong thing and it's something you believe in, the bottom line is, and that's why, you know, I wasn't bragging or showing off my plays. I lost money here. I'm showing off that stuff to show you guys that I stand behind what I put in. And, and that's what I think you should do too. When you're putting big money behind your lineups, whether it's a $200 single entry for you or a hundred dollar, or even it's a $25 one shot in the, the big tournament, put it behind who you want to put your money behind. So that at least if what you thought was going to happen goes right, you end up taking advantage of that. So, Let's get to the winner. I think it's cool to be able to show that stuff off on a week like this. That's why we started with it. We're going to get to the other tournaments. Anguilla, this is a, a Roto-Grinders member, long-term vet, solid guy. The guys that were up here, you know, AC Karma Sports, E. Hafner, of course. He had an excellent week. week, one of the best. Yep. And he last was everywhere. week, too. Last week and back this week. Weeks. When I was reviewing I, last week, he was won everything, and he won, like, all the other tournaments besides this one. Yeah, I think he took a break, and then he just came back, and now he's winning everything. <laughs> last week, I lost a cue to him by one spot. I think we talked about that in last week's show. Uh, or on the Wednesday show, he he won by like, I beat third by like 25 points. And then first was him by like 12 over me. So he's a beast. You got to compete with him. Uh, but Anguilla, let's talk about his lineup. So interestingly enough to your, you know, you talked about a couple two V2s and JT Brooks, Rom, you know, I was definitely entertaining Rom, Rory, you know, situations like that. 
But the only guy over 10K, I mean, there's X for sure. He still had some value. But if you look at the real value up there, it turned out to be Mr. Bison DeChambeau at a 7% ownership at 96.5 DK points. And then the rest of the lineup, very interesting fact, was no Morikawa in this lineup. And that, right. you know, he was really ahead to start the day. Uh, I forget who it was. It was out there on Twitter, had some projections and stuff you could see. And he was like a 45% favorite to win this tournament going into the day. And then obviously Morikawa doing even more than what we expected down the stretch. The eagle, the streak, the bogey free, the win, all those factors led to it. And he didn't have him. So I'm sure he was sweating a little bit there near the end. Uh, but gets, again, the million bucks and the TOC value. So talk to me about his lineup for a second. Then you, you mentioned the Scheffler piece that was in there as well. So what, yeah. what do you see overall here and what's different? So I think going with Bryson off the top is a, is a really sharp play in this tournament, especially after the weather draw. I mean, nobody was really talking up Bryson to begin with. And then once he's in that afternoon wave to, to get Bryson at 7% in this tournament, I mean, that's mm -hmm. obviously you're taking on that risk, but that's just such a high, high value stud to get at such low ownership. So I really, I really like that play. I mean, I guess first off from the build structure, right? Love that to begin with. Two guys up top at a 10K and a 9K and then filling it out with some solid values there. So, I mean, Bryson definitely stands out to me as, as a particular differentiator. I also really like the idea, and that's what I was trying to do with Brooks, of trying to get the guy that can be low-owned and win because I think that gives you, like, a huge advantage, right? If you're one of – 7% of people that are obviously Bryson didn't win, but if you had one, it just gives you such an advantage over the field. Uh, and then, I mean, I think DJ Finau, just great value plays that were a part of the, the right draw on the weather. Tommy Fleetwood, I think we talked about him. I, I think if the weather didn't come into play, he would have been 35, 40% owned in this tournament. So I think a lot of people probably came off him because of the weather. I like that yeah. he stuck with him there. Rose, I actually don't know which draw Rose was in weather-wise, but that's pretty much a, a direct pivot off of answer right there, right? Like he could have played answer in this lineup. I'm sure he looked at it and said, if I put answer, Finau, Fleetwood, DJ, and Scheffler together, that's way too much chalk. I need to pivot somewhere. So he takes that pivot to Rose, which is one of those classic bet on long-term form type of plays that we talk about. I mean, Rose has been terrible. I, I played him in the morning. a couple yeah, times. He was in the morning. He was in the morning, okay. I mean, so like yeah. that – that's a great pivot play if you're willing to take on that risk and, and take on the, the chance that he doesn't get back into his old form. I mean, Rose at 8% versus answer at 33%. Who's better at golf, Justin Rose or Abraham answer? Like long-term, yeah. I think it's not even close and, and you get it at a fourth of the ownership. That's, that's that, that was what I was play. saying earlier with Fleetwood, right? Like, and it wasn't, like I said, that's results oriented yeah. now to say I would have picked up those 17 points or whatever they're in this case, less. Um, against speed, but I said I would do it with answer because I was taking too much short-term, great ball striking, recent form, upside. Yeah. The name is still good. We love Abe Answer. We think he's got upside, but he doesn't have upside like a Morikawa to me. Like Morikawa would be number one in the world right now if the minimum divisor wasn't 40 tournaments instead of the 28 that he's played. He's got three wins, an alternate event, a regular field, and now a major at age 23. That's upside. Answer to me does not have that upside, of course, but he had upside, but like you said, and what I was saying with my lineup back to it, Fleetwood would have been the guy to take and just take whatever happens, happens. Like I said, it would suck if he shoots plus six in that wind and it's the real deal. But clearly, you know, Anguilla, same thing. Only one build. I, I think the big thing was the pivot off of X to go to Bryson or even off of Rom, if you want to say it. Rom wasn't that heavily owned, but the idea of just saying, look, I'll take the man in the middle that has the length, has the upside. And back to your point of the winner, or sorry, the low-owned guy that can win. This will apply to everybody. I don't care what tournament you're in. You know, as, as far as single entry, I'm talking like something like this where you have a smaller field because this is where a five out of six could still pull through. Yeah. And we saw a lot of five out of sixes cashed in this, in this top 55. But I'm saying you could actually have a shot if you have something like this happen where Bryson wins and you'd get like your Reavy scored 45, my Spieth scored 50. I think Hatton had like 30 or 32. Like, and it's not saying that would be the be-all, end-all. Someone would probably have more. But it just goes to show how much, how much more valuable the low-owned winner is and why it's worth some of that extra risk when you're looking at these lineups. Uh, anything else here, TJ, on this one, or should we move on? I think just one final comment as I'm thinking about the weather more is I just wonder if it's – if you're going for the win, right, you're trying to win this top prize, it 
maybe it's a little bit short-sighted to just think of the weather about, yeah, obviously one bad round, they could miss the cut, but at the same time, then your lineup wasn't going to win anyways, right? As opposed to you can get someone like Fleetwood at lower ownership that they should be coming in at, and all they have to do is survive that one round. Like a tournament doesn't get one on Thursday. All he has to do is not shoot plus four, plus five and tread water. And then you get three rounds of a very solid golfer, very solid value at lower ownership that he should be. Just a random thought as we're going. No, I love it. And I'll just add one piece on that is it's twofold. One, it falls into the trap of like what I said with my lineup, where now you you know you're up against a bunch of the other ones. So even then you don't, you've put yourself in a downside position versus an upside. Because even if I now get my six out of six that I was pretty sure I was getting, now obviously we got a lot of six out of sixes. This tournament, by the way, actually had 34%. And we'll move on in a second. But that point, and then the second point is, even in something like a major entry, which we're going to go to here now, um, the $20 millionaire maker, the winner doesn't have all AM guys in it, right? Bryson right on the top, as we, as we know, and we already talked about it. Reggie's run here, we'll get to it in a second. But back to that, one more little thing on it would be, I kind of like the weather draw situation or the, the wave stack draw, if, however you want to do it, even if there's not weather. It can be in um, tournaments like Torrey Pines, you know, Farmers, where they've got the north and south course. It's just there's never a situation where every guy is – there's not going to be anyone from the PM that doesn't make right, it in. Right. So if you exactly. want to build yourself that upside, like I said, I could have just went Fleetwood over answer, long-term, more major history, crazy price, upside, and what actually was going to be lower ownership. There was all of that as an example before you even look at my overall construction. But for like you just said, and, you know, I kind of like weeks like a regular week where people aren't going to stack a wave or decide it's not for them, and then you do it because now you do have some correlation that could happen when it's hard to correlate in an individual sport, but you also have the setup so that nobody else also has it, where you, also, you can run into all those dupes or situations where someone, you get all these 1v1s or 2v2s, and then it's not yours. To, you just don't have the upside to really get there versus this. So I think it would be no problem last week to still go, go something like, you know, use our groups, and we'll, we'll talk about it on Lineup HQ show that I do on Wednesday this week again. And I talked, you know, you and I talked about some last week, but use those groups to your advantage. I know it can be, you know, time consuming to put some more people into them, but that's a prime example where you could have said, you know, once you had your 40 man pool at most two, like we were doing with Fleetwood Fowler and some of those guys in the afternoon, Bryson could have fit the mix, Rom, all those situations. We talked about some of that. That's what you could do to still get enough guys in the morning, but then pick up a couple of these guys in the afternoon. And maybe you get Bryson and Fleetwood or something like that. And I know Fleetwood didn't pan out in the end as much as he could have, but Let's talk about Reggie's run. First, second, fourth, uh, 16th, you know, just in the top 20. So let, let's leave it there. But let's talk about his winning lineup, 597.5. He destroyed it. Bryson, DJ, Morikow, Finau, Scheffler, Joel Damon. Not that much different than what we saw previous, but he, he was able to get him in a little bit differently by taking a guy in the 6K range. So uh, overall thoughts, just looking at it out of the gate, I see the first thing that you'll probably mention. But what else? Well, I mean, I mean, the first thing, I think you just see the ownership differences between this tournament and the other tournament, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Scheffler thing, like I was saying, only 7% in these large fields and, and 18 or 17, 18% in the big one. So I think you, you notice that differently. Just in those smaller fields, higher buy-ins, ownerships really bunch up. Like mm-hmm. you almost always see three or four guys that are 30, 40% owned. And then, but then like Bryson's higher end in the millimaker than he was in that one. So really just creates some, some interesting dynamics. And it's the, the ownership build that we always talk about in these big tournaments, right? Two guys over 20, two guys in that 10, 15 kind of range. And then, and then two lower owned guys. So, and I think his second lineup was the same thing, just Palmer over Damon, right? It was. Yep. Yep. So what a Sunday for Palmer, by the way, gosh, for scoring yeah. for DK. And this is why you guys can look at it Six and, under, and see right? what you see, but Six under, and he ends, and not only is it a bogey-free round, but he ends it with eagle birdie birdie for the streak oh, on, for the on streak. top of it. So it was like the streak, the eagle, which were extremely rare at this tournament, all, all of those factors mixed in. Yeah, but very, very solid lineup. Again, he played a lot of guys from that morning draw, but not all the guys. Going with Bryson in that afternoon, and I just think – I think Bryson, in hindsight, was was the the leverage play to go with this week. It was just it's just it's strange, right? And I think I said it before this week. It three weeks ago, everyone was already saying, "Oh, Bryson will automatically be 
the most expensive and the highest known guy whenever that first major is. And then like one or two bad weeks and people all of a sudden forget about that. And now they'll probably be back on him again the next time he plays. Oh, he's the greatest again. So I, I just, it's hard to not overreact every single week, but we all do it. And I just, and week in, week out, we're looking back on it and saying that people overreacted one way or the other. So <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's partially people there. like my fault. You know, we're out here spinning these narratives, right? Yeah, right. He's, we have to find the, something. <laughs> Yeah, you got to talk about something. And, you know, it's kind of like Bryson and Brooks are so polarizing because you love one of them one day and you hate them the next day. Bryson, you know, the biggest, longest dude on tour that's crushing it. Everything's great about his game. It's, you know, he just can't get the approaches. But when he does, he's a scientist. He's going to fix it. Watch out. And then you go look at it and it's like, oh, but now he's talking about rulings and get me a second ruling and and fire ants and all this stuff. So you're like, ah, forget Bryson. He doesn't even do well in majors, right? He, He doesn't even have a top 15. So you do that. And then you look at Brooks. You're like, oh, he sucks. There's no way he's just the major guy. And then he starts crushing it again. And then he starts making fun of Bryson, who now you're against, and, and doing this stuff and calling out DJ and all these things. And you're like, whoa, man, this guy's on top of it. And then he goes out and has that Sunday. And you're like, yeah, that's what you get for calling out DJ, man. It's just the narratives in the back and forth. We got to stick to who the good golfers are because Bryson, excellent golfer. DJ, Morikawa, Finau, all these guys, massive upside. Scotty Scheffler, Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year you know, coming down into a tournament where you're off the tee all around game stuff that he's got, he's got the ability. He just hadn't been there in, in recent form or terms and love the Joel Damon pick by Reggie's run. I I know it's easy just to say, well, you know, maybe he started with Palmer who everyone did like a little bit more and then just said, why not try Joel Damon? But I love the narrative that came out late in the week back to these narratives, but you know, he has been good. Let's not get it wrong here. You know, Joel Damon has been playing some great golf since the restart, even over the, the restart, he was shooting 59s and posting about it on Twitter, playing in the outlaw events that we were in on and stuff like that. And then you've got him coming out and saying, look, I'm not even here to win the major. That's what the Rory's and those people do. I care about it. Trust me, I'm trying. But he's like, I care about the money. And what better way in a tournament that rewards almost $2 million to first and second place is more than a normal PGA Tour win than a time for him to come out and shine on a course that's still suited what his game does. So uh, great, great lineup by Reggie's run. RG member, first, second, fourth, 11th, you know, or 16th, all those places that we talked about. Uh, look quickly at this, and we are still going to spend a few minutes here at the end just previewing next week. But Reggie's run did have the max. We've been doing this the last couple of weeks, too, just to try and yeah. show you guys, uh, you know, the stances. But look at this, man. Yeah, 80, 81% roundup, Morikawa. 81% Berger, who could have done a lot more. So Berger was one of the guys with Fleetwood and Kepka that sort of fell away on Sunday, right? They could have done a lot more. Our guys, Spieth and Reavy, did that on, on Saturday. So they made it easy on us. And they, they just bailed on the day before on round three. But uh, any thoughts here, TJ, looking at the overall? Yeah, I think we, we're seeing this a lot, that the guys that end up at the – especially if there's a guy that's peppering the top of the leaderboard, right, not just winning, but having four in the top 15, five in the top 15, it seems to often be with, with this strategy, which – Again, like we talk about, week to week, there's a lot of variance there. Morikawa or Berger misses the cut, and he's pretty much dead for the week. But taking his heavy stance on on two guys, and I mean, even more than two guys. So it's very, very heavy on two guys, then really solid balance. But it's not – I mean, I, I guess the, the Homa and Connors ones are, are a little riskier plays. But these top, yeah. like, four guys, they're all pretty, like, safe, high equity value plays, right? guys that came in at 20 to 30%, that doesn't mean you have to fade them, but I like what he did by going overweight on them, right? So you like Tony Finau, don't just play 20% Tony Finau, play 40% Tony Finau, or don't play him at all. Like I think the mistake would be being right on the number on too many guys. So I like what he did there with guys that he likely knew were going to be chalky and deciding to, to go overweight on them. Yeah, and I know some people take a stance on, you know, you need leverage. That's the bottom line in these large field GPPs. But some people say, okay, I'm going to play 80 guys. And I'm still going to get leverage on all of them because the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to see who's what. And you could do that in lineup HQ and, and yeah. go through it all. But even then, they're not getting a very large leverage percentage. So, you know, uh, I know Drew Dinkmeyer posted, you know, fellow, you know, just a guy that's been in the industry forever, respected guy, does everything right. And, and you see he posted, look, I was all in on Finau, a guy that crushed his, his $7,900 price tag with 89 points. And he still lost just under $400. Yeah. And he's just showing that to show you. These are definitely lotteries. And that's why I'm leaning more towards something like this. Maybe for me, it's 60. 
because then I'll still have double, at least double of everyone. But, mm -hmm. you know, one thing I want to note is, to your point, the 13 guys he's got above 15%, the only ones that would kind of scare me, like you said, are Connors, Homa, and maybe Palmer. But Palmer's been playing excellent golf. The Memorial was a prime example. He, he came off another week where he was like, uh, the Sunday, the week before this, was basically leading in tee to green and approach. So his game had been on. He can play in the weather. If there was the heavy winds, like we thought, he fit the narrative. So all of that. And then if you just keep going down. Yeah. Just and then even, and they, they both missed the cut, right? So it even shows you he, he's got two guys in 40 and 30% of his lineups that missed the cut, but he's still able to, to pepper the top of the leaderboard. So that's kind of interesting. So too. 24 guys total. And you're right. Yeah. And, and like you said, he still had missed cuts in there, but 24 gets you there. And I thought I saw F.J. Bourne. Okay, F.J. Bourne's another extremely solid regular, all sports. I know you see him in a lot of your stuff, higher stakes and whatnot. I saw him here, and I just want to take a look at the different approach. Because he was right there, and he's always in the mix in a lot of these things. And I think he's more of the, what I was Balanced. just talking about. Yeah. yeah. So if you look here, 20, look how many guys he has over 20% on. And even, you call these 19s, you know, 18.67 well, you know, three, six, nine, 12. I mean, it's over 25 guys that he's got this percentage on. And yeah. if you look, well, he's right on the field with Morikawa. That's not ever a terrible thing because two, it's twofold to what you just said. You normally don't want that, but you said it right. You don't want it with too many guys. On the chalkest guy, the guy with the heaviest own, uh, the highest chalk person of the week, in this case, golfer being Morikawa, you probably are okay with something like this if that's your stance that, yeah, he could miss. And suck, yeah, he could make and have that upside, but I'm still going to then look now. Uh, Matsuyama, double. M M Rory, more. Scheffler, way more. Uh, still over on Cantlay DJ. Much yeah. more on Tiger. Reed, way more on these guys down here. Still over slightly on Fina by 3%. We're not talking about like 0, .0 but it, it is what it is. The point is he's getting leverage all down the board, but then look how many guys, you know, it takes. And, again, it's a different approach. It's each their own. I like this approach. Done it plenty. I think for a major, it could work because there's a lot of guys that can get in there. But, you know, it's, a, it's again, just shows there's more than one way to get to the top. Any thoughts on F.J. Bourne? I know, like I said, you see him often in these upper field tournaments. Well, what's your thoughts on his pool? Yeah, I just love that there's two completely different ways that, that you can do it and, and both can work. So I really think it comes down to personal preference. And I think picking one of those ways to go and just trying to, like, perfect how you go about that it is a great way to do it and yeah I mean wow this is this is as about as balanced as we've seen too how many is he a how, how many people are in his player pool it looks like a pretty large player pool too so yeah whatever whatever like you a, think is best there I think it's it's if there's one thing that's proven at this point is that there is no definitive way to it's a right yeah it's around 40 ish <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, so and I think what you said before that, then. Yeah, it's but, still yeah. it's still small enough, but I think to to your point of what you just mentioned was uh, you know, what we talked about earlier with again behind just the guys you can put into one $7500 lineup, that still relates to large field because it's again going with the conviction of what works for you. What's your process? What are you willing to take as on as far as risk is concerned? Like you said, FJ Bourne took a lot more guys, got leverage on all of them, but makes sense for a major. There's no way to downplay that. That makes a lot of sense. Go to our, Reggie's run, got the win and second on top of all those other prizes along the way. A lot more risk, but at the same time, was it? Like we said, the pool is fantastic. He went with 24 guys that are all extremely good golfers, major upside, form, everything coming in. Look at the form of Morikawa, Berger, Shawplay, Finau, all these guys that are coming in. It's not like he had bad plays, and then you still get massive ownership leverage on DJ, Matsuyama, Bryson, all the dudes that are just, you know, Rory's just under. So you're right there with everybody else. I think it's a fantastic pool. Congrats again to Reggie's run. Going to look at a couple others real quick here. Um, I had another one up here. Drive the green. Yeah, drive, drive the green, the $5, because I know not the $20, and then this week again, the $25 is not for everyone. Uh, uh, company won it. Our boy Reggie's run is up there with five seventy-nine, dollars uh, which is interesting because he picked just 20 lineups. After maxing and putting all his money into the $20, he's just spreading it out. But good to see, and he's still got another second place. But OmahaFlagCompany.com, quite the username. Uh, <laughs> shout out to OmahaFlagCompany.com. Got him up Good here, marketing. <laughs> good marketing. Let, let me tell you, I don't know if he needs the, the money from the flags right now because he got 100000 here, got another 30000 in the $3.20 max at 584.5. It's the same lineup. So he won't spend time on both, but just wanted to go through it. Only three lineups. 
out of the 150 max, OCD Ob, another great reg uh, with 150 lineups was the closest at the top. But you can see, this is why you want to put your one lineup in something. You know, even if you're just playing cash or small double ups or whatever it is, put it into the $5 because it only takes three or one or whatever to really get some big money. And that's how you build your bankroll. Um, what do you think here? So Bryson, DJ, Morikawa, Pino, Scheffler, Palmer, it's the same lineup, right? It's yep. the Joel Damon version of what we just looked at. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. It is. Same lineup. Uh, yeah. I think I got out of it, but it, it is the same lineup. So it's the same thing. Again, yep. maybe that's our segue. It's enough talking about it, but yeah, I thought that yeah. was interesting that, you know, same, same guy that has all the lineups. And in this case puts 20 in Reggie's run still has some of his better outcomes. And then for the winner, you know, like I said, he's got it in both for the hundred thousand and for the 30,000. That's a, uh, you know, quite the return. Like I said, I'm not sure how the business is going, omahaflagcompany.com, but probably a good segue. Any other thoughts before we get into this week's preview, TJ? It was fun. It was fun. It was fun major. I'm curious if they're going to, if this mega is going to become like a thing in the future. I'm curious if they're going to run one out for the next major because I, yeah, I thought I'll have that to was look super on, fun uh, contest. DK Promotions. I think it's like you said, it's just an opportunity. It's kind of interesting how that sort of sells out before anything else. But it's, I think it's because there's enough people that have the money or are willing to part with it for what the opportunity of the life-changing right. opportunity is there to, to have that. And I know the payout structure still wasn't ideal. It was a million to first, 200 to second. You had to look at it like, look, 18% is going to still get a great return, 12,500, 7,500. The upside of first of not only being life-changing in the million dollars, but then getting that TOC entry whether it's for bragging rights, uh, rights or the ability just to see some people and go to the Super Bowl and have that chance at another million. But I think that we'll see it again. I'm pretty sure we will. I don't know if they'll pull it out, you know, they'll wait till the Masters. I'm not sure if we'll see it at the U.S. Open, but that's our next major. We're only 39 days away, TJ, from another major. Crazy. And all these narratives that we spin along the way. Uh, speaking of narratives, here's your boy, Brooks, that we just talked about. You know, he was in your main lineup. We're going to hop in here. We do have the pricing out for this week. It's the Wyndham Championship. It's the last event before the PGA Tour playoffs. There's going to be a lot of narratives because there's guys that need points to get in. There's guys that need points to get ahead. There's always lots of talking points. Kenny and I will talk about it later today on the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast, which is totally free. Uh, check it out there. And it's hosted by Roto-Grinders, presented by Roto-Grinders, sponsored by Roto-Grinders. So uh, where are we at here, TJ, at the top of the board? I've got Brooks Kepka, Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, Tommy Fleetwood, and Paul Casey. Talk to me about this range. How about Paul Casey? Is everyone, everyone going to go back on him now and then he's going to right? miss the cut again? <laughs> uh, maybe we just need to not play Paul Casey at any course where there's a par three with water and a sand trap and then they'll be fine. And fans. <laughs> and, and fans. fans, yeah. Yeah, because he had a look back to his old self last, last weekend. So I think people will probably want to go back on him. I don't think anyone – I mean, I, I like Webb at first instinct. I feel like – actually – haven't looked much at the course yet, so I don't know what, what kind of track we're necessarily dealing with here. But just from yeah, like so we're, a, we're dealing with uh, real quick, not to cut you off, but this is yeah, the no. Webb Simpson Open, right? This is the Wyndham Championship. Oh, His daughter's right. named oh. Wyndham. This is uh, this is the spot. So he's going to be the highest owned. I would say probably forty percent Webb this week. <laughs> Thirty is my guess, but yes, uh, you have enough yeah. people that will try and pivot off him and do things. But I also think to your point there is people will stick with Casey. Looked really good last week. He bounced back. You know, he almost made our boy cards eat that bet because cards had the 10 K on them to win a million and then said, oh, I'm going to drop it down a few zeros and get it down to 10 bucks to win a thousand. And so, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, a close call there with Casey at the hundred to one long shot, but he'll be popular and Webb will be popular. Talk to me about Brooks for two seconds here, just because Brooks, you know, talked all that smack. And then the only guy that was worse than him on Sunday was Jim Herman on that course, you know? So that's a, uh, the, the golf game, they talk about it on the golf channel, but it has a, a funny way of humbling you quick and very quick in his case, coming back with the 74 on Sunday. So what's your thoughts on Brooks here at this event? Yeah, I mean, first off, very, very surprising and, and obviously upsetting for me since he was in my lineup that, that he came out and just didn't have it at all on Sunday. I mean, even down the stretch, he, he doubled 16, right? He hits, hits, it, hits it out of play off the tee on the, on the drive ball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah just, I think I think it was a bogey. D, DJ did the same though, and then chipped it in for oh, birdie. So it was like yeah, such a right? such a swing, right? Yeah, but yeah, so he, he needs points, right? Like he'll, he'll have motivation in in that sense for this weekend. Yeah, and I think then just how much people are going to be talking about him. It's yeah. again full narrative. 
but he played some pretty damn good golf, right? You look at the week before, the week before that. We had him. He's been leading in to yeah. form. It was definitely a bad Sunday. I certainly lost some dollars. You know, Empire Maker had some bets out there. I was only taking Brooks over DJ or, or over Jason Day for finishing yeah. position. I'm not a Brooks guy. But, you know, especially the, he only wins majors and all that. We were coming around a little bit on it there last week. I was giving you sort of my thoughts on the mentality that he probably does just do a little less and kind of give up a little bit more, I think, on, on, on some of these events. If he's not in it, he just says forget it. But in majors, he wants to be in it. He really does see these things, you know, these major championships as rings, right? Michael Jordan has six rings. Kobe and Tim Duncan and those guys, or Kobe has five. You know, LeBron doesn't have enough rings. All these talks that go around when really it's the sport that it's these guys that made the sport to allow these guys to compete for these things. You know, is Brooks going to catch yeah. Tiger? I don't think so, but he could, uh, you know, what's more going to do all the talk today is already, he's only 23 and already has one. So, you know, it's, it's all these conversations that come about, but I think Brooks would be an interesting leverage play Reed and Fleetwood for sure. If they're going to be way under own compared to Webb. Um, Rose, you talked about it a second ago here. I'd like him as a contrarian play this week, hopefully contrarian play because Casey's right there and Harris English down below Yeah. should know. An answer just answered yeah. with Drew, right? Yes, you got it. I was, was, say, I was, I was just going to yeah. note that our guys are on top of things here. You will see a 9.7K guy. DK will get it updated with the O, but he withdraw. He, he he's a withdraw to start this week. So quite the gap we get here now. And the 9K range, which they've been already dropping down to five and six guys most weeks, is already now down to four. So what, what do you see here? What I was going to say quickly on Rose is that he's sitting like 103rd and in order to you know get to the top 70 and then to be able to get to the top 30, he needs to make some action happen quickly. And I do like narrative-based guys as far as the FedEx Cup point goes as the guys at the top more than the guys at the bottom. History will show that there's not very many of these guys that are sitting 130th that need to get in the 125 that get in. It's just a common talking piece. But since the inception of the FedEx Cup points, I think it's only something like 32 or 35 have ever even made that happen enough to get in. So it's really just a big mm -hmm. talking piece out there that many will bring up. And I'll, I'll have to check Kenny on that this week if he brings it up because I, I got it in my notes to remember for this year. So what's your thoughts yeah. on the 9K range? I think it'll be an under-owned range in general. I think that there could be a, a, like a balanced contrarian type of roster construction with these 9K guys. I, I just, mm -hmm. in a field like this, I feel like it's one of those where people will start Webb Casey and then go down below or, you know, Casey Fleetwood, like starting with two of the 10K guys and then going down, which would obviously force them to, to come off of the 9K range. But I, I always kind I always kind of like Horschel. Um, I, yep. I think that, I think he, he'd probably be my favorite in here. Ha Harris English is also an interesting one. I obviously played him in my lineup last week. He ended up having a, a really nice Sunday and, and turned out a decent finish. So I like him too, but I don't know. I don't know that I see him like winning. I mean, even just following him yeah. on shot tracker, it's a lot of fairway puts it to like 35 feet and two putts, which I don't know that I, I don't know about his upside, but I think he'll, he'll be a solid play for sure. But Horsell is the one that probably stands out to me the most. Yeah, I like Horschel first, a lot. First guess. You know, get uh, get some, you know, Bermuda greens going here this week, you know, yeah. rolling hot, that sort of thing. So I do like Horschel. Nobody's going to play Spieth at 9K after, you know, they joked about Justin Thomas putting him in a coffin. You know, it's it was a bad day. That You know, there was a lot of stuff made fun of about it, but that was a really bad day for Spieth. It just didn't go over well. And even JT said after the round, look, I'm focusing on making birdies. He's focusing on figuring out his swing. It's two different things. This is boy, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they're not – these guys aren't best friends like everybody thinks out there. We, you know, the DJ Brooks one showed those guys. They're all so individual based and you see it in Ryder Cups, right? The U.S. struggles at times in these Ryder Cups because they just, they don't have these bonds. It's not like, you know, Fleetwood and you know, Mollywood where you had Fleetwood and Molinari. Like they're just jokes, all good fun. The Europeans are just laughing and giggling on doing all stuff all along. And it's just, you can tell it's way different. On the U.S. side, you got guys like Finau and stuff that are trying to fit in and be cool with everyone because he's just a happy-go-lucky guy. The interesting part was yesterday on the Golf Channel after the event ended, all of the interviews about Morikawa, and you can just tell who's sincere and who's not. Like Bryson must have said about five times how he's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable ball striker and said, I, I hope someday I can get there. Well, of course he does. He's got the best drive on the tour yeah. right now, and he wants to be able to get that approach game going. But it's just they, they were really stumbling over what to say about him. 
Paul Casey, a veteran in the game, super genuine. Finau, he's happy for everybody. He really, you know, it shows. And he played great again. It is what it is. He definitely can't really close. But he's doing his thing, man. He's still playing some great golf. Looked awesome on Sunday. I'll, I'll back Finau yeah, forever. I, I love, love the guy. Yeah, he, he, missed, not. He, he misses so many putts, like, barely, too. Like, he's it's, close. Like, there's a difference between a guy that you watch him putt and you're just like, oh, he's not a good putter. Like, Fina's yeah. so close. But he, he misses too many short putts, too. I know he missed, yeah. uh, he missed like, a three-footer on 18 on the second round that, that if he had made that, he would have gotten the – round under four or four rounds under 70 bonus. Yeah, there was a lot uh, of guys like that, actually. That's a good yeah. point. And this week, I should note, we're talking like minus 21 here, minus 22. You'll be looking for Birdie all four fest. under 70. You'll be looking for the birdies. You'll be looking for all of that. Uh, another quick note here is English reminds me of Lucas Glover a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. when he burned everyone because, again, is he the safe play that you'd, you would assume has upside that now has the sticker shock of going up from 7.2K to 9.3, 2.1K difference? Glover was 9.4K that week, and I believe missed the cut. But it just goes to yeah. show again, like it, it's one of those weeks where you're going to have to decide what type of build are you doing, what type of upside. I mean, you know what the upside you're looking for, but it, you have to you know, display it. We've seen it in some of these tournaments we looked through today. You're building differently for different tournaments, right? We, we definitely have solidified that in your minds, if not today, for all the other weeks we've done this. Um, let's go to the 8K range real quick here, and then we'll probably you know, cut it off the mid-sevens, get to that, the show time here. But uh, Brendan Todd, Sungjae M, Lowry, Kim, Garcia, Reevee, Kisner, Sedek, or Moore, Connors, uh, to round it out. What do you what do you got here for me in this range? From Moore, for, or, I'm sorry, Connors up to Todd. I thought Todd was going to make a run again after he was just firing early on. I mean, the guy, the first round literally couldn't miss like a 25 foot putt. But I mean, I think I think we can all agree eight nine for Brendan Todd is a little bit expensive. It's the the, the downfall of Sungjae M is something. I mean. He was a guy that I liked and was high on coming early in the season. And then since the restart, he just hasn't been able to figure it out. So maybe not a guy that, that I'd be on here. Corey Connors, I'm always pretty pretty high on. Just the classic ball striker type that struggles with the putter. I think he, he missed the cut this weekend, had a really, really tough second round. So he sticks out to me a bit. Sergio struggled again. I think he's really, really putting quite poorly. Oh, not, I, I'm not looking at any of these guys and loving them. I mean, Chez, I, I played played him last week, obviously. I think he's more of the lower-priced, make-the-cut kind of guy. I don't know off the cuff if I want to pay I'm with you on for some him of necessarily. Them, but I, I like a guy like Reevy. I think this course suits him better. Kisner, same sort of thing. Last week's just a little bit a long for them. course, yeah. Yeah, e- even Todd. You talked about him. I don't love him, but I, you know, you're talking about a guy that's got two wins, has been in the, you know, the 54-hole lead after two other tournaments since those two wins, and you know, he's still playing for Player of the Year. A win here would be huge for him. I know it's probably uh, locked up, but you know, JT getting that other win last at the WGC, it's tough to say. But I, I think if you look at Brendan Todd. You know, last week, Sunday, someone said, I think he, like he's 279 off the tee and still shooting a 67. It's just he keeps it going, man. So, uh, yeah. you know, this course is a little bit long for guys that, that we were just on. It's a little bit long for Reevy, Kisner, Todd, those guys. You got two former winners at the Wyndham. Uh, yeah, I was about Kim. to say, has been on fire lately. Like, very, he's a great GPP very lightly. Player. I like him. Yeah, absolutely. And then at the bottom, the more oh, well. one is interesting. I, I really do like yeah. Ryan Moore, but – I don't know what's up because last week he withdrew from the PGA championship for scheduling conflict. I don't know yeah, what, what is that. Con- what could be what, more important? <laughs> well, what I, you know, the only thing that worries me and a little bit is what would be better than, you know, if you had the coronavirus diagnosis, this is all speculation. It's not to put yeah. it on someone. I'm not, we're not, you know, the, the golf channel here just making and spewing stuff, but I guess my thought would be probably better for PR reasons to just take it off and say that something else came up and, and or, on the other side of it, let's hope everything's okay with him and his family, and maybe now he's getting back out oh. to it. But this is definitely a course for him at 8.1K, so I could certainly see myself going there as well. I just would like to get a little clarification. Maybe we'll get some news throughout the week on really what was going on and why there would be a scheduling conflict with a week of a major where you can win a major championship and win almost $2 million and the career change and upside and lifestyle that you would get from that. So we'll see what comes out with that. Uh, rounding it out, and then we'll shut the video down here, is – 7.9K range, instead of naming them all, just anything you see here from Fratelli down to Lewis? Neiman stands out as a guy with a lot of upside, I would say. Uh, Doc Redman, 
is always someone that I have interest in. Varner kind of falls into that boat. Always someone yeah. that I have interest in. But my, my gut is that I like this range at first glance. And that's why, again, I think popular rosters will be start at the top and then pepper some of these 7K guys. I mean, it just doesn't seem to me like a big difference between these mid-high 7K guys and the mid-high 8K guys, just in terms of the quality of golfer and the chances of them winning. Patrick Rogers and other guys. I, I like a lot of these plays, actually. I do too. The more I look at this range, like Fratelli, awesome, great finish, bombed it out there. He had a good week. Neiman, the upside. JT Poston, last year's winner here. First time, yeah. you know, PGA Tour winners are big at this spot. Siwoo Kim, I believe, was his maiden win, you know, on PGA Tour and all this stuff. So, uh, Redmond, ball striker. Rogers, we've been waiting for something to happen. Henley, back on Bermuda. Approach game has been lights out. Bezudenhout yeah. just got in, I believe, with the answer withdrawal. So, he's already in the field. Or, or no, he was the, the withdrawal before. There were some other ones before, I think. And anyway, either here nor there, the point is he's another guy that's been on, has the game for around this place. And then Varner McNeely. McNeely's interesting. His girlfriend is Danielle Kang, narrative-based, my thing. But she won the last two weeks on the LPGA Tour. And he's been knocking at the door on different events. So, I mean, talk about a way to get you motivated when your you know, significant other is winning tour events on their respective tour it's going to get you fired up. So I think a made cut. Remember, we're back to needing those six out of sixes here and probably back to, honestly, a week of, you know, 5% or less, six out of six. So we're looking for guys with motivation, upside, ability. Talk about low scoring. I like Varner and McNeely, Lewis, yeah. all these guys at the bottom. Sabatini, just to name some others. Uh, and we'll round it out here with the 7.5 and down. Any, anything else? And then we'll let the value plays be talked about with Kenny and I on the podcast. Well, there's our guy, Henrik Norlander. He's back. Uh, back, back. Back to a price where I think I'm in. it's appropriate and probably underpriced. Like, how come he was 8,600 whenever? And in and, and this field, he's not 8,600 anymore. I mean, this, exactly. he's going to be – is he going to be chalk? I mean, it's too early to tell, yeah. but he seems like he a great be. play. I yeah. mean, Glover is 7.32, which I know he didn't do well last weekend, but I, I, I don't mind him there. I think – yeah, I think Norlander definitely stands out. Glover seems like a decent play. Schwab gets is like a little bit of a hot topic. He probably won't be popular, but I know he had what a third place finish at the Barracuda prior to the and then major. ruined a bunch of lineups last week though. And so then, it would be an interesting yep, one to go back to. Yeah, Sam Burns, Let, a guy that can make a lot of birdies for sure. Yeah, Burns is going to get popular. He was really popular last time at a high price as well, wasn't he? Eight point nine k or something? Or yeah, nine? I think this is an interesting one to compare. It was the what was it, the 3M Open, to compare some of the, yeah, compare some of the prices, right? Like, I think in that tournament, Harris English and Lucas Glover were both, like, 9,000 or 9,400, and now Harris English has that price again, but Glover dropped 2K from that tournament for some reason, and I would, it feels like comparable field strength, so that that's oftentimes what, yeah. what I'm trying to do, is look at guys that are simply, like, underpriced. I think golf's a unique sport where each tournament can be completely different, just in terms of the strength of the field and the course that they're playing. So I like to look for guys where their price seems to have jumped way down or way up for seemingly no reason. And then just target prices based on long-term form. So Glover and Norlander stand out to me because that last time they were in the 8,000 and 9,000 and now they're back low sevens, which is great in this field. I agree. And yeah, there's something to be said too. I mean, obviously Glover had a couple miscuts and whatever, but what really changed in two weeks that we don't want them all of a sudden with this price drop? I mean, that should be where you're buying like a stock, right? If a stock drops four or $5 from 35 down to 30, you know, if you were in on this company, why aren't you buying more? Because you're expecting it to go back up. It's the same thing with Glover. If you were in on him, is he really just the worst golfer in the world now that you can't touch? And you want right. to go back to Luke List because he had such great ball striking last week, but couldn't make a putt. Well, maybe he's the, he's the opposite of the Fina situation up top where he just doesn't make the putts. It's like, it never happens. Be yeah. Benny on comes to mind certain guys, you know, Benny on needs a hole in one on Sunday to make that stuff happen. So, you know, it's easier to avoid making those putts when you just put it in the hole right off the tee. So lots of guys to talk about here. Like I said, little teaser, but if, if you guys are following, you go to fantasy golf degenerates podcast, listen to Kenny and myself. We'll go through this even more in depth later. TJ, man, thanks for coming on. Love having you on here with me. When we get to talk about this stuff, go through all of our lineups, be back again next week, doing the same thing for you guys. Uh, anything else you want to shout out TJ before we get out of here? No, thanks for doing the show again. Always a pleasure. Give me that, that follow on Twitter at TJL5124DFS. And yep. looking forward to a, another fun weekend of golf here. I just think golf is in a great state from just 
as a sport, but also from DFS. We're, we're continuing to get big contests each and every week. Yeah. And six more majors in the next fun. year, right? Yeah. So we're getting six more majors. It's a very unique so position. Some articles I read about that over the weekend. Definitely couldn't agree more, not to mention the talent pool. Look at this, the leaderboard, Morikawa winning, all this stuff that goes with it. Really let the, let the narratives fly all you want because I think it's great for the sport. I think it keeps generating up storylines and getting more people involved, bringing those people over. What we care about for DFS is the pools, the prize pools, all that stuff. Hopefully we can get the payout structures a little bit better in the long term and we'll definitely be on the lookout for that. But for, you know, for TJ, for myself, you can follow me at Totag and Tambo on Twitter. If you have any questions there, reach out. I know, TJ, you'll also be doing some more breakdown of these value plays this week. I'll be back in on the conviction plays. And then, yeah, if you guys need anything else, reach out and let us know. Other than that, thank you and good luck.